Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. You know, I asked some people in the church, I said, hey, I'm going to be doing a series on family. Well, what should I talk about? One lady said communication. One guy said finances. One lady said um, keeping the loving feeling going. Somebody else said, uh, what do we do with the empty nest? Somebody else said, well, uh, I'm not married, so how will this apply to me? I said, trust me, we're going to talk about relationships, and all of us have to deal with relationships at some level, whether in school or at work or in the military or in our neighborhoods or in our church community. And this one gal, it was, it was great, it was great. He's walking away with her saying, yeah, finances, and she looks back at me and says, conflict. He doesn't even know what she's saying. Conflict resolution. I wonder how many people are a little bit like that clip in there, shocked. If somebody were to say, this is what our family really looks like. This is what our workplace dynamic is all about. And uh, so you've got your bulletin today. It's a little different, isn't it? Yeah, the outline's on the back. They're trying to limit how much I use there back on the outline. No, actually, we're able to save lots of money because now for every sheet of paper, we get two bulletins. And every time the copier goes click, click, we pay per copy contract. So instead of paying click, click, we get one click, we get two, and we're being good stewards of the trees and the forest by using less paper, and we can put more money in the ministry. And one lady says, why do you have bulletins at all? Everything's online. So we're kind of happy medium. So there you go. And if you want to respond uh, to us, there is your connect card in the chair back in front of you. Those connect cards are actually cheaper because we get them printed in bulk. We've got thousands of them. And so there you have it. You good? You okay? Good. Yeah. My friend's church has no bulletin at all. Everything's on their app and online, and some of you go, no, too much technology. So we're meeting you right at a happy, happy medium, and I hope there's no conflict as a result of, see, let's see how I tie it in, yeah. Hey, the Bible lays out some very specific steps to dealing with conflict, but I think here's the number one thing. We often handle conflict by avoidance. We sweep it under the rug, and then the rug starts expanding and the fibers in the rug and finally there's this volcanic ash that just goes everywhere of anger and malice and conflict happens everywhere and there needs to be conflict resolution so so how many of us just say don't don't respond how many of us just say problem what problem i don't have a problem and we lived in the land of avoidance avoidance and the lord never called us to live that way he called us to deal with the issues of life and the relationships around us. Some people uh, handle conflict avoidance, and it's seen this way. They stuff it. Now, now just, just don't respond, but do you know anybody like that? They just stuff all their emotion. Or they give you the cold shoulder. That's how you know something's up. They could work, work away from you. Cold shoulder. Or how about this? They flee. They, 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 you know, they, they, they leave the, the job, they leave the, the school. Um, I dealt with a, a couple years ago that had their daughter in several different schools. They started at Hapgood, they went to La Honda, they went to Los Barros, 
Uh, they went to La Cunada, and then they were on their way to Clarence Ruth, and they actually asked me to pray for their family. And I said, well, how come you keep going to all these schools? Because they said, the, the, the teachers don't understand our child. Now, I'm going, you know, if you, you've been to five different schools, it might be something with the kid. Good morning. I know I'm talking to some parents now, and you're going, not my kid. My kid can walk on water, turn water into wine, you know, and raise the dead. That was Jesus, not your kid. And, and so what I began to ask them, this hard question was, could there be something inside your kid? Could there be something inside of you guys that needs to be changed rather than fleeing all the time? Or people flee the church, you know, pastor didn't say hi to me, I'm out, you know. Uh, and the last one is explosion. I don't know if you've ever been around somebody who had an explosive moment. I've had a few. I'm putting my hand up first. Come on, break the ice. Family matters. I, I've, I've had a few explosive moments. And they're usually the result of avoidance. Avoidance. So we're going to talk about seven models today. And I've got scriptures for each one of these that will help you with conflict resolution. And when you're done, take this bulletin. Take those notes that you're going to take so faithfully this morning and put it in the files somewhere or take a screenshot of it and put it on your phone. Because I promise you, if not now, you're going to need this list. So today we're having a seminar, seminar, seminar. And I want to be truthful, but I want to be helpful. I want to give you some practical steps for dealing with conflict. And the Bible gives us a clear path. The first one is Go directly. Step one, go directly. Do not pass go. Do not post on Facebook. Do not go to tweet on Twitter. Do not go and call mama. Huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, huh, mom, he's doing that thing again. No, 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 no. You go directly to them. Listen to what Matthew 5 says. These are Jesus' words as a part of the great Sermon on the Mount. He says, if you are offering your gift at the altar... And there remember your brother, and that could be sister, has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar and do what? First go. First, first go. And be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. So here's what he's saying. They used to bring their gifts to the altar. Whether it was their tithes, their offerings, their first fruit, the gleanings from the field, whatever it was. And that's where they would worship God. And listen to what Jesus says. Even before you worship even before you offer to me, if there's something that you have uh, that, that is a conflict with somebody, deal with that first, then come back. Why? Why? Well, first of all, Jesus believes in reconciliation. He is the great reconciler. Uh, the Apostle Paul tells us that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, the ministry of getting along together in community, in family, being unified. But the second thing is, Jesus knows that when we have anger or hurt or issues in our heart, we don't hear God as well. We don't worship God as intently, and we can't respond as well to his presence because stuff is bottled up inside of us. He so desperately wants us to know him, to know his voice, to hear his spirit, to be uh, moved by his presence, that we need to be people that make sure we clear out all the cobwebs and all the blockage of our soul so that we can hear him well. The first thing you do is you go directly to them. Ephesians 4.26 4, reminds us, don't take too long in going. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. 
Now, I don't think that Paul is being literal, like, oh, gee, it's 11.30 p.m. It's about, man, the sun is about, the day's about to become a new day, or man, it's, you know, seven-ish, and I see the sun's going down in the west. I better call that person. I think he's talking not just specifically about time, but not going very long. In other words, don't let yourself fester kind of like a splinter that's in your finger, and it starts growing and, and, and getting worse. I mean, it can just overtake you uh, if you're not careful. So don't let the sun go down on your wrath. How do I deal with conflict quickly? I need to get right in. Now, nobody likes getting right in because we call that confrontation. And most people don't like confrontation unless they're troublemakers. I know some troublemakers. They'll stir stuff up just to stir it up. If you say right, everybody agrees with right, they agree with right, they'll just say, hey, I think we should go left, because there's just some people like that. Or you say, we're all going left, they say right. You say red, they say green. You don't know anybody like that? Okay. Pray for me, because I know lots of people just like that. And here's three rules when we deal with confrontation. James 1.19 says, everyone should be, number one, what? Quick, quick, quick to listen. In most confrontation, we're quick to speak. But we should be quick to listen, not just listen to the person. Watch this. We should be quick to listen to the Lord, quick to hear what the Lord would say about the situation. Secondly, slow to speak. Uh, slow doesn't only mean time, like take your time speaking. It also means the volume of what you say, not just the volume in decibels, but the volume of what you say. Don't say too much. Stick to the point. And the last one is we should be slow to become what? become angry. Most of the time we're angry and we're slow to listen and, and we're slow to speak. Listen, <laughs> listen, listen, listen. That's why we have two ears and one mouth. You're so smart. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey guys, let me just talk to you for about 30 seconds. This is where you put down your, um, your machismo, you know? This is where you lay down your sword. This is where you surrender and work hard at, at making things right. This is where you go to the person directly. This is, ladies, you're not, you're not going to mama, you know, especially young gals. I just don't go to mama. Don't go to daddy. My daddy, he, my, da my daddy, you know, after a while, your daddy's like, really? Your husband ain't that bad. I like daddies like that as opposed to, oh, little girl. Yeah, I don't like him much either. And pretty soon you have this bigger chasm between the, the, the family and, uh, and, and the, the married couple. Look at this, Romans 12, 18. It says, if it is possible, as far as it, what? Depends on you. Huh. Well, I'm waiting for them to ask for forgiveness. I'm waiting for, no, 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 no. As long, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That means the people that you care about, the people that you wish you didn't care about, the people that you love, even your enemies. Jesus says, you love your enemies. Wow. As long as it depends on you, go for peace. Uh, it was some time ago that I had a real small crack in this tooth right here. Real small crack. Now, this, this tooth is fake. I, after about six and a half years, I finally broke down and put one in. But that was painful when they screwed that thing in there. Okay, good. Me and one other person. Uh, but I had a small crack. So I went to the dentist, and he took some you know, stuff that they make over at Denmat, and he, he put it on my, my teeth. He filled it up, and, and he said, be careful with that tooth. 
We'll keep an eye on it. Be careful. Well, then I did something called pistachios. Now, I, I love pistachios. And I don't know if you've ever eaten pistachios, but they usually have a little pre-crack in them, ready to go, right? Well, I'm too cheap because there was one that was not cracked at all, and I thought I would bite on it. But instead of going over here, guess where I put it? Right there. And as I heard the pistachio crack, I could feel the tooth crack even more. Now, I avoided going to the dentist. I don't know about you. I'm not, you know, I, I love our dentist here, and my dentist is a great guy, does a lot for the community, coaches kids and everything, and always has a great story to tell me. But man, I was not real happy to go to the dentist. So I just said, Lord, heal my tooth. <laughs> and I could, there was a whisper that I wasn't paying attention to, but later on I heard the whisper. Uh, I, I, I figured out what the whisper was. Go to the dentist. He's a believer. <laughs> he gives you free dental care. <laughs> I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go. And one morning I woke up, Saturday early, my head was throbbing. And I looked in the mirror, and my handsome, wonderful face looked like I had a softball on the side of it. I mean, and it just hurt to high heaven. I called my Saturday morning early. I called my dentist hotline, and I, I got some antibiotics and a little uh, uh, Tylenol with some codeine in it, man. And he said, here, do this. So it, it, went, it went down barely. And then Sunday morning, I came and played the drums. And every time, I did boo, 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 you know? And and I tell you, it was bad. So that next Monday morning, the next day, I went to the dentist, and he gave me a shot of a bunch of stuff, and nothing changed. He said, this is what we call in the business a hot tooth. I could give you all the pain meds in the world. It's not going to take this away. And he took a pair of craftsman pliers. I thought they were craftsmen. And he yanked that thing out. And on the end of that tooth was a little black abscess about the size of a head of a pin. I, I mean, and then I, I, after I, you know, the night before I went to MedMD and found out that uh, you could die from the abscess, you could go to your brain. <laughs> and then I looked up the history of abscess and it talked about how many people shot themselves in the head when they had an abscess. They went to the dentist office in the old west and the dentist wasn't in they drank a bunch of whiskey, tried to bite the bullet on the other side. Too much pain. They shot themselves in the head. Were dead on the dentist floor. I felt I, I was I was that close. <laughs> now, what does that have to do with the sermon? I don't know. I'm just trying to get some sympathy out of you. You know, <laughs> no, I avoided going to the dentist, and it got worse. It got worse, and I didn't take care of the tooth. I put a pistachio right there and chomped down on it, and it got worse, and it got worse. Listen. If time heals wounds, we'd all get healed while we're waiting in the doctor's office. Come on. Well, we just let it go. We just let it go. Can, can I tell you this? That's not the way of God. He doesn't want us to let it go. He wants us to go directly. And number two, he wants us to go privately. Boy, that's important. Yeah, go discreetly. Make it between you and the person and no one else. See, when we're offended... We feel justified to tell everybody our story. They hurt me. 
Come, come, come over here. They hurt, they hurt me. I want to tell you my story. They hurt me. And pretty soon everybody knows the story, but the person that hurt you doesn't know how bad they hurt you. But we want to kind of lobby for sympathy and help. I love what Matthew 18, 15 says. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his what? His fault. Just between the two of you. So I'm going to help you today with, with a list. And uh, you can take your phone out and take a picture of this. This will, this will save you a lot of pain. This will save you a lot of heartache, I promise. When people come around and they want to share a saucy story with you, how about this first question? What's your reason for telling me this? When was the last time somebody wanted to tell you about, we'll just, we'll just pick on Bob. Okay, if your name is Bob, we're not picking on you. We'll just pick on Bob. Bob. And so you're out in front of your house, taking the trash can in, doing whatever you're doing, and here comes the neighbor and says, let me tell you something about Bob. Number one question, what's your reason for telling me about Bob? Hmm. Hey, where'd you get your information? Number two, this is really good. I know I can hear you're all excited about it. Number three, have you gone to those directly involved? See, if somebody wants to share a gossipy story with you, ask them, have you gone to, did you, have you talked to Bob? And Bob's wife, you know, uh, Jan, have you talked to Bob and Jan about, oh, no, 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 I don't want to get involved. Well, you're involving me now, right? Because you're telling me the story. Have you gone to those directly involved? How about this? Have you personally checked out all the facts? Folks, we live in Lompoc. You know what that could be defined as in some circles? The factless city where people make stuff up. I mean, it's just crazy sometimes. I have people that call me. Have you been reading what's on Facebook? I, I don't do Facebook, so I don't know. I do the LFC Facebook. I just don't do Facebook. I can't. I'm hearing stuff about, there was somebody talking about me on Facebook a while back. People were calling me. You should go on there and defend yourself. That's the last place I'd want to go and defend myself in a forum or in some kind of, you know, a place or state. And, and you know, I, I work closely with the police department. I read stuff about them online. They don't even know what they're talking about. Matter of fact, they talked about an incident recently online. I was there as chaplain. And they were telling everybody in the, on Facebook land, in the factless part of the city, what happened there. I was there. Good morning. And all these people were making up stories about what they heard, about what they Have you gone to those and checked out your facts? By the way, this will save you lots of pain. Can I quote you if I check out the facts? So she wants to talk about, or he wants to talk about, Bob and Jan Hey, can I go talk to Bob and Jan and quote you? <gasps> Have you ever heard somebody say this to you? Don't quote me. Then don't listen to their story. Good morning. Okay, I can tell you're excited. Here we go. And number three, begin with affirmation. If you're going to sit and talk with somebody and sit down privately with them and go to them directly, start with affirmation. Never start with what happened that hurt you. Start with affirmation. Ephesians 4, 29 says, Do not use harmful words when talking. Use only what kind of words? Helpful words, the kind that build up and provide what is needed so that what you say will do good to those who hear. See, our, our tendency is not to affirm. Our tendency is to accuse. Our tendency is not to affirm someone. Our tendency is to accuse 
I love what Scott Peck said in his book on community building. He says that when it comes to conflict resolution, we need to bring an emptiness to the table. Don't bring all your history, all your stuff. Just, just, just bring an emptiness that's come from being with God. In other words, empty ourselves of whatever it is that might keep us from really listening and hearing the heart of the other person. And then, here's another thing that I want to just, just share with you in the area of affirmation. Let's say you're having conflict with someone at work. Anybody ever had that? Okay, conflict at work, yeah, sure. A good way to start is to say, listen, I value my job, I value this company, and I value you. That's how you start. I also value our relationship and appreciate working with you. But there's been some tension. Now, here comes the honesty. Some tension between us, and I'd like to talk about it. And in bringing it up, I'm not trying to cause a problem, but to solve a problem. Let me say it again. In bringing it up, I'm not trying to cause a problem, but to solve a problem. And here's the goal. I want to put this behind us. And I want to move forward in better communication and a better relationship. And that's where you do what, what we want to call, number four, monitor your, your, your mouth. Monitor your mouth. Anybody want to raise their hand and say there's been a few times you wish you could take back what you said? Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me also say this. Um, this has been my experience. The right conversation with the wrong tone is still wrong. The right conversation with the wrong tone, the wrong body language is still wrong. The right conversation in the wrong location could still be wrong. I, I had to deal with somebody a while back, and I, I went to Starbucks. Nothing wrong with Starbucks, just I know half the town. So Every time I, I leaned in and started talking to this person about the problem that we were facing, somebody else walked up, hey, Pastor B, what's up? What's up? You know, and we had like 19 interruptions. I picked the wrong place. Yeah. Every once in a while, um, Debbie and I just go out to Surf Beach. It's a great place, Surf Beach. And if you park your vehicle in the right location, there's no cell service. Right? Every once in a while, if the, the stress gets high for me or the pressure gets high, I just get in my car and go to Surf Beach. And I take my phone and, oh, no service. Good. Praise the Lord. I roll down my windows, and I salt air. It's just good. And I watch people down there waiting for the train to come. Sometimes I see the train coming from San Luis down. You could see it coming in. You could look down at Ocean Park, depending on where you park. It's just great. And I'm out there. I can look at some of the, you know, the launch facilities over here and just kind of hang out for a moment. And sometimes uh, Debbie and I go down there. We have our best conversations there. Why? Because we picked the right place. Some of you, it might be out at, you know, out at the Mission. It might be River Park. For others of you, it might be Halama Beach. But you have to find the right spot and the right place. I know what I'll do. We'll go to a restaurant that's really noisy and crowded. Come on. It's not the right place. So figure it out. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I know people who love to stir up anger. Again, you say right, they say left. You say left, they say right. You say red, they say green. Just because they love to stir it up. I was reading some articles online, and um, some Christian counselors as well say this. 
that when you're talking with somebody, consciously express yourself with this statement, I feel. I feel statements. See, I feel statements don't blame the person. You take the onus. When you said that, it made me feel like this. When you did that, I felt this. I feel like you love your job more than you love me. Or a gentleman recently, and I got permission to share his story, he said since the kids came, they have more than one, since the kids came, he's been totally neglected by his wife. My wife is into the kids. She loves the kids. She takes pictures of the kids. She takes pictures of them sleeping. She takes pictures of them with their bibs on. She takes pictures of them, you know, with cereal all over their face. I feel, here's what he said, I feel totally neglected. I said, okay. So, you know, as a pastor, here's what I said. What are you doing to invest in your wife? What are you doing to invest in the care of the kids? Because, I mean, caring for kids is a big issue. And so he began to think about that and talk to her about it. But finally, he got the guts up to say, baby, and he took her on a date night, which they hadn't had in like nine months. He took her on a date night, and he said, baby, I just want you to know I love our kids. I love the way you care for them. But let me tell you how I feel now. And I own this. I own this feeling. It's not your intention, and I know you're not trying to hurt me, but this is just how I feel. Oh, he said, she started to cry. That's not, honey, that's not what I want. I just want to take, I just want to be a good mom. You get that? I just want to be a good mom. But she got to hear him articulate how he feels. It's not that, you know, he, he's missing things in life, which he is, but it, how does it make him feel? The number step five is important too. Own what is yours to own. Own it. Own it. By the way, most people have trouble with this. I'm sorry. Forgive me. It was my fault. Let's say it. I'm sorry. Come on. Forgive me. I'm practicing with you. It was my fault. I'm sorry. Forgive me. It was my. I'm going to own this. I made this mistake. And by the way, somebody's going to go, Pastor, this sounds like psychobabble. No, it's not. If we confess our sin, Jesus is just able to forgive us. We have to own it to confess it. Proverbs 28, 13. I love this. Proverbs 28, 13. Let's read it together. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Whoever conceals their stuff. So she comes to him and says, hey, honey, we need to talk. About what? Right away he does this. About what? We need to talk about a relationship. Nah. I'm awesome. I'm God's gift to woman. When God made me, he broke the mold. Hey, guys, put down your machismo. Get rid of it. Why? Because there's, a, there's mercy to obtain. There's mercy to obtain. He who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. I own it. 1 John uh, 1.8 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Where have we gone wrong? Where have we uh, misinterpreted something? Where did we misunderstand? What didn't we know? What mistakes might we have made? I don't know about you, uh, but I love jury duty. Now, some of you are going to go, he's nuts. Because uh, some of you get that card, comes in the mail, and it tells you to call the number. And I, I know some of you, Lord, may they say call back tomorrow. 
and may, Lord, so many tomorrows end up in dropping the case or whatever. I, I, I've been on six juries since I've lived in Santa Barbara County, and I love it. Woo! If you could give me your journey, I would take it. There's something about it. I, I, just, I, I just like it. You know, I, I actually uh, spent uh, 11 days in the jury pool for the Michael Jackson trial. And uh, it was me and three people left. There was four of us in the room after they had the jurors and the alternates. We were the last three, uh, four, and, and some of us wanted to be on trial. And we went through all of that and the media and all that stuff. But you know what? Every time I've been on a jury, though I didn't get selected for that one, every time I've been on a jury, I've been the foreman. Go figure. Because all these people are sitting in the room, right? The bailiff comes and gives us instructions and so I just go to the whiteboard and start writing stuff down. Here's what we've got, guys. And they one lady, you're the foreman. I said, good, I like being the foreman. But there's something about watching the attorneys do their work. Now, I know some of you don't like lawyers and stuff, but, but man, when we're in the courtroom, I'm just like, I'm mesmerized by how the prosecuting attorney is stating the case. I mean, that's their job, to cast blame and to, 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 to accuse. They're just good at it, too. There was one guy so good, assistant DA in our county, he was so good. If he was selling swampland in Mississippi, I would have bought it. I mean, he was just that good. By the way, when you deal with conflict, you're not an attorney. You're not the prosecuting attorney, and certainly you're not the defense attorney. You're not trying to do the most compelling argument of accusing and blaming and not admitting. See, if we take that approach to confrontational assault, there will not be any conflict resolution. What we need to look for is God's presence. Blessed are the peacemakers. God's given us the ministry of reconciliation. And a part of this comes from 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6, that God resists the proud. And really, even before step one, this should be the first step. God, I submit myself to you. I surrender myself to you. I'm about to talk to somebody, and God, I need your help. Holy Spirit, come and just caution me of where I shouldn't go. Help me to monitor my mouth. Therefore, I humble myself under the mighty hand of God that you will exalt me in due time. I want your will to be done in and through me as I deal with this particular conflict. And number six, establish specific ways to resolve the conflict. This is where you work out purposeful and positive steps going forward. Hebrews 12, 14 says, work at getting along with each other. And by the way, it takes work. I remember my pastor when uh, over 42 years ago, Debbie and I got married. He said this line. It just still rings in my head. To make your marriage work, you got to work at your marriage. And I just thought, oh, that's just cute, isn't it? But he was right. To make your marriage work, you have to work at your marriage. You have to invest in your marriage. To make relationships work, whether you're single or, or you're, you're empty nester, whatever your situation is right now, out at work, out at Vandenberg, wherever you are, to make your relationships work, you have to work at your relationships. And it takes work to share how you feel. It takes work to put down the blame game. It takes work to put down the accusations. Here's two valuable questions that can help you. How can we avoid this particular problem in the future? Hmm. So now we've worked on the conflict. 
But, but, but how do we establish specific ways to resolve the conflict? How can we avoid this particular problem in the future? And number two, how can we improve our lines of communication? Obviously, this thing has grown and festered. Something's been, been wrong here. Now, you know this. I don't have time to build it up, and you're so smart. You know all this. We all come with different backgrounds. I mean, we might have come from everybody runs, loves Raymond family, where it was just so loud it hurt the kids' ears. Maybe your mom and dad conflict resolution was this. They went separate ways. So much so that in some cases they divorced. I'm out of here. Or dad met you know, some sweet young thing somewhere and moved away. Gone. Or mama said, I don't want to talk about it. It's all one word, by the way. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Or my mom growing up used to just say, that's just your dad. Yeah, but mom, he shouldn't. He shouldn't. That's just your dad. That's just you. That's just, that's just your dad. That's just, that's just, that, that's just, just your dad. And she used to say, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't want it. This is, this is true. He doesn't want to own it. That's just your dad. This is your dad. This is that. I, I got it, Mom. I, I, I heard you. Hey, you know what? I don't want it. That's just, that's just Pastor B. That's just Bernie. That's just, that's just the chaplain. That's just the pastor. That's just, no, I don't want to be just. We have to work on repairing who we are to be the better version of ourselves through Christ. From glory to glory, he's changing us, right? Number seven, we have to reaffirm reaffirm the relationship. This is really important because a lot of people feel like once they get to step six, they're done. We have a plan. That's how, no, 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 no. We're done. We've settled. Moving on. Over it. Nope, 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 nope. I think we look at 1 Corinthians 13, and it tells us that love keeps no record of wrong. That's the lifeblood of the family. We don't keep score here. We don't hold grudges here. We don't speak ill of each other here. We don't use profanity here. Now, you're not going to ever live in a conflict-free zone because where iron sharpens iron, there's friction. And some of you have friends, you know them, they're so wonderful, they're like sandpaper in your life, you know? Or some of you work with people or hang out with people on occasion that suck the oxygen out of the room. You know know who they are. You're always going to have conflict. But to have a culture of love, and that's why it's important even as a church to have a culture of love where we love and we accept and we forgive each other. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as, forgive as, yeah. Hey, question, just a question, a growth question, a discipleship question. Where are you holding a grudge? Where are you holding on to some anger? Where is a person that you know you need to go speak to, that you need to follow this list, go directly to them? Work on a solution. And don't be afraid to say, I feel. And when you said that, I felt this. When you did that, I felt that. Somebody goes, well, that'll show a weakness. That's not a sign of weakness. That's a sign of strength. It's weak to hold a grudge. It's weak to be offended. It's weak to, to wish for someone else's demise. But rather, we come and say, God, forgive us. And help us to forgive others as you have forgiven us. And last verse before we pray, Proverbs, Proverbs 28, 13. A man who refuses to admit his mistakes 
can never be successful. Wow. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. Isn't that good? Yeah. A man, by the way, ladies, you're not off the hook. This is just like a, a word, people. A person who refuses, come on, to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he or she confesses and forsakes them, get another chance. I wonder how many people need us to speak to them, to deal with the issues in our life. I wonder how many people close to you who want to see you model Jesus for them. What would Jesus do? How would he handle it? Well, some of the verses today are actually his verses to us and what we should do. Going to avoid problems? No. Going to look for confrontation? No, nobody likes that. But we're going to resolve the conflicts in and around us. And that is the number one thing in family matters. Next week when Pastor Wayne is here, he's going to talk about family legacy. That's important. And we're going to continue this season uh, series for a while if you can handle it. Yeah, we want to get better. Not be bitter. We want to get better. We want to grow. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.